Hi. It's good to see you. Uh, I love your church, by the way, and everything is so well curated to like make you feel welcome and at home. So that was super nice of Pastor Mitch to do that. It's super good to see you, and I'm glad Mitch invited me to come preach. If you know me at all, this will not surprise you that I lose stuff and I forget stuff, so this will almost feel natural to some of you. But for others of you who have never met me, you may go, who is this person? Would you do me a favor and just look around you? I did lose something, and I need you to just look to the right or the left of you, maybe on the ground, on your feet. I'm looking for a 1963. Anybody born in 63, by the way? Uh, you wouldn't admit it, maybe. 1963 penny. It's oily and dirty and looks like it was in a jar. Anybody? Tabitha. Yes. No wonder. Right. Can I have that? This is so good. No, I don't know. Any coin collectors in here? I don't know the significance of a 1963 penny to you, but it's significant to me. Thank you for finding that and letting me like disrupt this. I'm going to keep doing that because this means something really important to me. And if you would... I just want to celebrate with you really quickly, like disruptively celebrate. Mitch is never going to invite me to preach, but Eli, would you just play a song and would you just, if you can, take a breath and just celebrate, maybe clap, maybe we could have donuts. I don't know if there's, would you bring donuts? I think they actually brought donuts. We did bring donuts. Good. Krispy Kreme. I don't even know if you like Krispy Kreme donuts. Yes, you can clap for Krispy Kreme donuts. Yeah. Wow. Everybody's going to get a Krispy Kreme. I think we have eight dozen Krispy Kreme donuts. Thank you. There you go, Carla. Pass him out. There you go. Everybody get it going? All right. Yes. Donuts? I think that if anybody didn't get one, I think there's plenty more back there. Taylor's got them. Taylor's got them. Travis has got them. Thank you. Uh, it's good. You had some good energy. Carla, thank you for clapping. Uh, here's the point of that whole thing. First of all, would you clap for all the Redeemer people who helped with that? Here's what's interesting. Uh, I prepared an entirely different sermon for today. And I woke up this morning. Actually, I prayed early last week and then this week. And I was like, God... What do you want me to say to Redeemer City Church? And there was one specific thing that I couldn't shake 
But to be honest with you, when I prayed and said, God, what do you want me to share with Redeemer City Church? It was so simple that I was like, that can't possibly be what I'm supposed to preach. And so I went about thinking and planning and crafting this really other wonderful sermon. I think it was a wonderful sermon. I sent it to Eli, I sent it to the whole team. It's probably in U version. So if you're using U version, there will be a completely different set of notes. And I prayed last night and I was like, God, you know, just watch over Redeemer. Everybody who's going to come, do your work, be glorified, let the word go out and accomplish its purpose. And I was confident that I'd preach the sermon that I had prepared, but I didn't sleep well on it. And then when I woke up early this morning, I prayed and was like, God, I don't feel settled about the sermon that I prepared to preach. And I was like, God, what do you want me to say to Redeemer City Church? Because your this time is important. We have a few of these times together as a church, and I have only a few of these where I get to visit you. And so I said, God, what do you want me to say? And the same thing that was on my heart and mind before came back up. And he simply said, tell them God loves them. And that was it. And I I wrestled with it because when I originally thought about that, I thought, how do you tell people? That's as simple as that. God loves you. And so this morning I woke up, prayed about it, went downstairs, said, I don't think I'm going to preach the sermon that I had prepared. I'm going to just share a different sermon. And so I asked my wife, I said, would you help me? I called Krispy Kreme, by the way, this morning. And I said, is there any chance I could get eight dozen donuts? And the sweetest person ever said, you can get 10 dozen, 12 dozen. We can just print donuts. And I was like, okay, bring, get some donuts. So Cammy went to get donuts and Tabitha helped me out with picking up a coin. And my hope for you this morning is simply this. And I, I believe that God called me to Redeemer City Church this morning simply to tell you that God loves you. And he loves you in a way that is so disruptively, does not make sense, and it it does confuse us, and it it seems impolite, it seems like it's not necessarily well-ordered, it doesn't seem like it makes sense, but when you think about it, it's precisely the thing that makes sense. And so you go, why are we clapping? Why are we having donuts? Why are we celebrating? Especially the idea that some guy lost a penny in this place and he would give up the one few minutes that he was invited to preach and to deliver the word of God. He would use that time. He would squander that time to ask you to help me find a 1963 penny. And then after we find that 1963 penny, this little person that waves his hands would be so excited about that that he would say, Eli, play a song that gets us clapping and celebrating. And he would say, would you celebrate with me? Because that meant that coin, 1963 coin, meant something so much to me that I would burn up this time eating donuts with you and celebrating with you and say, would you just celebrate with me? Because that thing meant so much to me and it was lost and now I've got it back. Put it in my yeah, Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Put it in my pocket. I want you to think. Now, I don't want you to look at a coin. I want you to imagine being the coin for just a second. If you could, just use your imagination and allow it to widen out and just imagine yourself being a coin. I don't know you. I don't know many of you at all. God sent me here this morning to tell you that he loves you. And he loves you so much that he will turn all of creation over 
and he will walk right up to you through the scripture coming alive. And he will say, I love you so much that nothing else matters. Zach's agenda doesn't matter. You version doesn't matter. Well-ordered, well-crafted things don't matter. What matters to me is you. And you matter so much to me that I'm going to take this unlikely vessel and ask him to walk into this church, kind of make a fool out of himself, seem completely unprepared, simply to tell you that God loves you so much. And he wants you to hear it. I told Jerome, I said earlier this week, I said I might have to just preach that message on top of the other message because that's the one I think I'm supposed to preach. So I just gave up the other one. Good for you. We won't have to do two. God loves you. Do you have a Bible? If you have a Bible, please turn to Luke chapter 15. And while you're going to Luke 15, I want to just tell you this. Right today, there's tens of millions of people all over the world doing what's called the common lectionary. And they're participating in a common lectionary, which is just a, a scripture that is sent out ahead of time through networks of churches, denominations of churches that follow this common lectionary. And they're just preaching from one text. So no matter what Anglican church, Lutheran church, Methodist church, Catholic church that you go into, many of them are ordering their year around the lectionary. The lectionary text for this morning says, you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. But you are the light of the world. A city on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. How does the church of God be filled with light? How is it lit up? The church of God is a bright light when the church of God knows that they are loved by God. When the filling and flowing and permeating thing about a church is their absolute wonder and worship and desire to witness because they have tasted and seen the incredible love of God. That's how the church lights up. And so we're not going to read from the lectionary text and study it from looking like this. I want us to think about the love of God. I want us to consider it from the perspective of a coin. And so, if you would, go to Luke chapter 15, verse 1, and we'll read this. Now, the tax collectors and the sinners were all gathered around to hear him, but the Pharisees and the teachers of the law muttered, This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. Then Jesus told them this parable. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Does he not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. Then he calls his friends and his neighbors together and he says, rejoice with me. I have found my lost sheep. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Or suppose a woman has ten silver coins and loses one. Does she not light a lamp, sweep the house, search it carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost coin. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. 
pause right there for a second. You know that there's a third element to this story, the prodigal son, and the, the, the texture is the same. A father who runs, a son who rebels, but the father runs and pursues and never stops praying and hoping and yearning for his son. And when his son finally repents, turns. And if you know the Hebrew, the idea of repentance in Hebrew is a homecoming. And I love that over one sinner who would come home. Over one person who has been estranged from God or has been hiding from God or has felt so shamed and so broken and so lost that they say, I need to be as far from him, maybe out of reverence for God. I need to be as far from him as ever because I have told him, like the prodigal son, you're dead to me. And yet Jesus says to these Pharisees, these religious people who are on the edge of their seat wanting something important to be said. They want something powerful to be said by this person. They want to find out who he is. And he says, let me tell you a parable. Let me tell you the heart of God. Let me tell you the first thing on my mind and the first thing in my heart. Because he heard their minds. He says he heard them when they said this man. This one. He welcomes them, it, other, those people. This man welcomes those people. And not only does he welcome them, but he eats with them. And in their culture, they would break bread and then I'd hand it to you, pre-COVID, but still gross to some of us. Going, I'm going to let Megan tear that thing apart and then she's going to hand it to me and I'm going to eat it with my hands after your hands have touched it. I don't even know you. This man eats with those people. He welcomes them and then he touches their food. He considers himself one of them, putting himself in their company as a friend to know them. He welcomes them. He knows him. He shares fellowship This incredible gift of union with them. They're disgusted with him. They're disgusted. And they say that behavior repulses us and pushes us away from you. And he knows their hearts. And so he says, let me tell you two stories. Three. He says, let me tell you about somebody who's lost a sheep. Does he not go after the one? That doesn't make any sense if you really think about it. And many of us who have grown up in the church, we know this story so well, but if you consider it, that you would leave 99% of your investment to go try to find one that you don't even know if they're where they are. If you'll have any success, you risk this for that. Imagine being in this company as he says, let me tell you a story. This man eats with them. He welcomes them. He wants them. He says, of course I want them. And not only do I want them, but they matter so much to me that I will take on flesh condescend, have no beauty or majesty in me to attract me. I will, I will completely surrender the magnificence of my position at the right hand of God. 
I will take on the very nature of a servant and at the same time be fully God, fully man. I will take on the nature of a servant and enter into that place in order to draw so near to that one that they would not just hear me say it, but that they would know that I love them because I will demonstrate it by giving them my very life. God loves you so much. God loves you so much that any voice that has said that one, those people, hear him this morning. I will go after the one. And not only that, but imagine maybe, and I don't know, you're really kind people, and I didn't see any of this on your faces, but in my mind this morning I thought, Somebody might even feel a little bit provocatively judgmental as you, some visitor, come in and bring a bunch of donuts and doesn't he have any respect for this time or this place, my pedigree, my PhD, my whatever. He comes in here and he thinks he can entertain us with Krispy Kremes. (laughs) Some of us were entertained. He thinks he can come in here and trick me into participating in a kid's story and think that he didn't set Tabitha up to find that penny. I thought those thoughts, and I thought if I was sitting in your seat, I might have felt that. Don't waste my time. I want to learn the Word of God. I want to know the Word of God. I want to worship God. Well, if that's you, so do I, and I want to worship God with you. But God sent me here to tell you that he loves you and to show you and to have you participate in just how weird it is when every bit of our agenda is set aside, every bit of what we predict, every bit of what we think is important, every bit of what we calibrate is the right thing, the first thing, is set aside. So for the joy set before him, he would go back out and say, this morning, right now, in 2023, in February, somebody in this room was supposed to hear me say this morning to you, not from me, but from God, that he loves you. And he loves you so deeply that St. Francis of Assisi, many of you have heard me say this over the last weeks, it's stunning to me. St. Francis of Assisi says, the one who you are looking for is the one who is looking. He's already been looking for you. I don't know what the last 60 days, three months, 24 hours of your life has been, but the one who you are looking for is the one who is looking And he took on flesh and he looked. Prophets, apostles, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, the canon of scripture, every person who's been who's felt called to hold out the incredible love of God, all to carry, 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 carry that message into this place this morning and say, God loves you. And he'll leave the ninety nine for you. He will search the whole house. He will, that picture is extraordinary, by the way. What he's telling them is it would be more, it would have been more participatory in what's real in the story for me to say, would you all just knock these pews over and see if it's perhaps lodged under the carpet? And everyone's like, what? It would be more likely to see that story with all these pews turned over and then go, would you rejoice with me? God loves you.
God loves you. I hope that that is wonderful news. I hope it's wonderful news. And I hope it makes you wonder. I hope you can receive it this morning. Because the way he loves and the way the church is a great light to the world is not through just holding on to great ideas, but being transformed by the love of God. Did you know that the greatest witnesses, the greatest worshipers, the greatest witnesses are throughout Scripture are the people who have been changed by the love of God? They became the ones that went running out of places like this and said, I have to tell you. I have to tell you about a God who when everything says those, he says, yeah, those. And it's so disruptive that it makes us go out the door and go, yeah, no, he embraced me. We just sang a song that said, you're already loved. You're already chosen. Before you walked through the door, God had already been working and working and working so many different things so that you could be here and hear his word go out to you and say, I love you. First thing I want you to do is just wonder like a coin that's being picked up and just allow yourself to receive that love of God. We just sang it. You didn't earn it. You are already loved. You don't have to. It's not a trophy. There's nothing that you have to do for it. It's not an intellectual concept to grasp. God loves you. What's important in that scripture is, is it's my sheep. It's my coin. He made you. And he, what he wants most is for you to just love him back. It's his joy. Just rest in that. That's remarkable. I hope that makes us wonder. I hope it causes us to wonder. Beyond just like contemplating it, I hope it just causes us to sit back and wonder. And I hope it transforms us to worship him. That it recalibrates our minds. Be transformed by the renewing of your minds because what what happens is everything is shifted when you understand that God, the one you are looking for, is the one who's looking. He made you. And you might think you are worth nothing. The voices in your head, the voices from our culture might have said, you have the wrong body, you have the wrong pedigree, you have the wrong skin color, you have the wrong zip code, you have... There's so much wrong with you. And look out there at all the things that this culture values. And then hold that up next to your story. You might think, who would come looking for me? And as soon as we're transformed by the renewing of our mind that said, God would set aside every agenda, every other thing. He would leave the 99. He would flip over the house. He would turn upside down creation and take on the very nature of a servant to enter enter into this story and say, I made you. You were formed in your mother's womb. Before you were being formed, I knew you. 
You are my son. You are my daughter. You have significance. There's meaning to your life. And it does not come from your degree or from your skin color or from your zip code or from the story that you've perfectly curated and kept up in your own mind or on Instagram. None of those things matter to me. Rest, my child. I love you. You are my 1963 penny. And I love you. It's then that we become transformed in our minds and renewed and we become worshipers. Because we start with this place of wonder and it draws us into a place of worship that just goes, what do I do with that? What do I do with that? And Jesus' answer is just come follow me. I came so you'd come with me. Will you follow me? Will you follow me? The one who you're looking for is the one who was already looking and he came up, he showed up this morning through the most unlikely of people, to say, I love you, will you follow me? Will you be the highest affection, or will I be the highest affection of your heart, because you're the highest affection of mine? Whoa. Will I be the highest affection of your heart, because you, Nick, are the highest affection of his? And Pat says, I thought I was, and he says, yeah. You all are. My love is infinite. And my love is mysterious. I am, you've heard Jerome say it week after week, I am ineffable. Can't grasp me. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. Will I be the highest affection of your heart? Because you are the highest affection of mine. It's people who wonder and people who worship who become great witnesses to Jesus. One of my favorite stories in the whole Bible is a man born blind and he simply, after his life is changed by the love of God, people press him and press him and press him and he says, listen, I don't know. I don't know how it was done or why it was done. Here's what I do know. I met a man. His name is Jesus. I was blind and now I see. Your story this morning might not have a ton of significance from some guy in a polo telling you God loves you, but you'll hear God's voice in your heart saying, will will I be the highest affection of your heart because you are the highest affection of mine and I've come looking for you today. Follow me. And someday you're going to tell that story where this message is going to rekindle that moment where that was true in your story and you're going to tell somebody else and you're going to say, I don't... I don't know. There's so many things that we can consider when we consider the heart and mind of God. But I will tell you this. I know this Jesus. Who took on flesh. And I didn't know it, but he was the one I was looking for. And yet he came looking for me. And in a moment, our lives intersected. And all I knew is that there was something about his voice, something about the way he calmed the waves, something away about he cared for the least of these and the children that attracted me to him. It wasn't his physical stature or his pomp and circumstance, but there was something about him that drew me to him because he was the one looking for me and I was looking for him. And I realized that he was he loved me so much that I was the highest affection of his heart. And that day I wanted him to be the highest affection of mine. And I didn't care how it reordered my world.
I just prayed and said, God, from this day, I want to love you back as you are the highest affection of my heart. And I started walking with him. We're going to take communion and celebrate communion. And I don't know, did we, Mallory, did we set the baskets out? I threw so many curveballs at them this morning. But I just said I would love to close with communion. Because we started getting up and with our bodies looking and kind of participating in this story. And with communion, Jesus, with sinners, right? You welcome those people. You eat with them. You break bread with them. Jesus said, I don't just welcome them. I don't just eat with them. I don't just break bread with them. I am the bread. And I will break my body for them. I will pour out my blood for them. You judgmental people in that story have no idea. I will welcome them. I will eat with them. I am the bread. They will take my life. This morning in 2023, right now, you're the highest affection of God's heart. He loves you. And I don't just preach that with words, but with a demonstration of power. And that power is not of intellect or wise speech or anything like that. I come simply saying that his, he loves you so much that he took on flesh and his body was broken. And his blood was poured out so that we could be here today and receive it. And hold in our hands bread and say, the one who I'm looking for came to me. Can we hand the communion out? And then we'll take it together. If we can just pass these out. I'll pray and we can take communion. While they're handing the communion out, I would love this. If you heard God's love today, maybe you've never heard that gospel in that way, but this morning you heard Jesus say, I love you. And you heard in your heart this movement, this resonance of the Spirit, and you said, I want to live loving you back. Today, if you needed to hear that God loves you, and you want today to be marked in time with your church family, marked in time is a day where you said, I don't know what exactly he was saying, but I heard this, God loves me. And everything in me wanted him to be the highest affection of my heart. If that word was planted in your heart today, I would love it if you share it on the way out with Mallory or Jerome or one of the folks from Redeemer or maybe just a friend sitting in the pew with you. But let's mark that time. Because something that we've lost sight of in the church is the great celebration. The great celebration that breaks out among us when somebody says, He found me, and I found him. 
And so if that was for you today, then I'm going to pray for you. But I would love it if you shared that with somebody so that somebody in this church can celebrate with you. And maybe the whole church together someday can be celebrating this day. But if you would, let me pray. We're going to remember Jesus with our heart and our mind. And then we're going to participate by taking communion together. So, Father, thank you so much. I praise you that you are able, God, that your word does not go out and return void, but it accomplishes its purpose. Even, God, in the in the ways that we're not ready for uh, in this morning, Lord, I trust you that you have spoken, God, that you have shown us a glimpse of your love. I pray for Redeemer City Church, that we would somehow through your spirit understand how high and deep and wide and unsearchably great is your love for us, that your love would be poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, that it would permeate every cornerstone, every living stone of Redeemer City Church, that we would be saturated in your love in such a degree that we would go out of this place with wonder and worship and witnessing to your great love. And so, Father, right now we pause and we set aside every other thing and we fix our eyes on you and remember the moment that you said, this is my body. I'm not just going to welcome you. I'm going to break my body. So, Father, we say thank you and we take and eat. Jesus, we remember the great cost for you to love us like that, that what seemed to repel the Pharisees from your welcome was our brokenness. But they didn't see your blood. This morning, Lord, we thank you that we are righteous. Not of any of our own doing, God, but that you have shed your blood for us for the forgiveness of our sins. And you said it is finished. And with that, Lord, our joy came alive. And so we remember you and we say thank you as we take this cup and remember your blood in Jesus' name. Father, we love you. Would you be the highest affection of our heart? We wonder that we are the highest affection of yours. In Jesus' name, amen.